Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today my co-host Skylar and I sit down with Dr. Madison Bailey. Madison grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and was a three-sport athlete in high school who ultimately focused on softball in her collegiate career. She went to Manhattan College and graduated in 2016 before going to grad school to get her master's and doctorate at California Lutheran University. During the episode, we talk about her experience with anxiety and control issues and how that was one of her first introductions to the world of mental health and how she dealt with a series of life-altering events. She's such an incredible advocate for mental health, and we can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. With that, let's get right into it. Madison, thank you so much for coming on The Mental Matchup. I am beyond excited to have you on and chat with you about your experiences um, as a student athlete and, you know, with mental health, but also with being a clinical health psychologist. So to kick us off, can you give the audience a little bit of an introduction as to who you are, where you are, and what you do? Absolutely. So thank you for having me. Um, So I am, like you mentioned, a clinical health psychologist by profession. Uh, I live in the Bay Area currently. Um, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I was a, um, I played college softball at Manhattan College um, and then very quickly realized in college that I wanted to pursue mental health further. And that's kind of how we got to where we're at in a very tiny nutshell. (laughs) When you were growing up, what kind of role did sports in general and then maybe more specifically softball play in your life? Mm -hmm. Sports are huge. I feel like I grew up in a very active community. It was also very competitive, like youth sports, which now I look back on, it's probably a bazillion times worse than when I grew up. Um, But it was huge. My dad was an athlete growing up. That was always kind of something that was fostered, like, uh, from a family standpoint. But um, I was a three-sport athlete up until high school. Um, I played softball and then basketball in the spring um, and then volleyball or I ran cross-country um in the fall so always kind of doing something throughout the year um and settled on softball more so into high school I went to a very very big high school in a very competitive area where if you weren't kind of like the best at your sport or near the best at your sport you probably were not going to make the varsity team so like three sport athletes in high school was not as common um just because it was so competitive um so settled into softball into high school, it was more so in junior high and then into high school. This is what I enjoyed doing most. It was what I was best at and kind of settled in there. Cool. And then tangential to that, I'm always curious to ask, what was the first time in middle school, high school, whatever, when you're growing up, when you first kind of um, thought about mental health, like realized what mental health was as a concept or faced a challenge? That's a good question. Like the first time I realized it was a problem or basic challenge, I feel like are two probably different right. things. Yeah. <laughs> um, in high school, for sure. Um, I had a lot, I, I got picked on in like junior high and, and like late elementary into junior high, like girls can be catty. I feel like we all kind of know that. Um, 
and didn't have the best like confidence by any stretch going into high school. Um, and so it was very much driven by like the outcome of like grades or making a team or having the best stats or whatever that looked like um, was like the goal and kind of like what I based my self-confidence on. And so I think that I had so many other things going on going into high school where my mom got sick. My mom had cancer. I lost a, um, a really close teammate to a car accident. Um, and then I lost an uncle to suicide, like back to back to back in my sophomore year. Um, and it was just like my whole world fell apart because it was like everything I thought was within my control. Suddenly it was like the world had other plans and was just kidding. You don't have control over anything. Um, and I think that was the first time where it was just like, anxiety settled in and was like this is kind of the driver of all things that very much took over my life in high school um and you get like that horrible cycle of like anxiety depression anxiety depression um and so really that was I think high school was the first time it kind of settled in of like okay this is now starting to dictate my life in a way that it hasn't I feel like I mean, to this day, I'm a fairly like functionally anxious human being. Um, and I feel like we all have some level of that. But that was the first time in high school, like my sophomore, junior year was where it was, okay, this is a larger problem that maybe I don't have as much control over as I would like other people to think. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I can't even imagine how jarring one of those events would have been, right? Much less all three combined. Um, for you, did you start getting help at that time? Like what were some things that maybe you implemented to make sure you got through that chapter of your life? Uh, it took a while to realize like, okay, this is not something that I'm going to be able to handle and manage on my own. Um, and I, I'm very fortunate to have had friends and um, teammates and a coach who saw that like, this is no longer healthy and this is no longer safe. Like I was trying to control like my schedule, like what I put in my body became so restricted in terms of like eating. And um, I finally had a coach that was like, this is no longer like, if you don't talk to your parents about this, I'm going to. Um, and now looking back, like the door was always open for me to talk with my parents. It just, uh, nobody explicitly talked about mental health. And it was not something that I think today we have more of a positive light on, which is so good to see. And it wasn't like, the door was publicly open. Like, like I mentioned now though, looking back, like there was always like, I could have talked to my parents about this. I could have talked to my, my mom, my dad, whatever. And they would have been like, what do we need to do to make this okay? Um, but back then it didn't. And so it took a coach saying, either you talk to them or I'm going to, um, for me to finally get into therapy, um, which all like I I feel like the the expression like it saved my life feels overused and I truly believe that it was such a point where I feel like it could have gone such a dark turn that throughout my junior year and into my senior year um was in individual therapy and seeing uh, a psychiatrist and um I think that really kind of pulled me out of it and set me on a very very different path than I probably would have been on had I not talked about it yeah um one thing that I want to pull out of that that I think is especially important for if we have parents or coaches or any kind of um, people in power listening, right? If you're not the kid in the room, how important it is to explicitly say and proactively say, hey, if you're struggling, if you're dealing with some mental health issue, I'm here, right? Because I think my parents were the same way. They would bend over backwards, do anything for me. But 
it's, it's hard to, when you're struggling, be that person to open up that conversation. And it's so huge to have someone else open up the conversation and then it becomes easier to walk in that door, but it's just a brutal conversation anyway you go about it. But um, I think it's so important to say that, right? Like that proactively. Yeah. And in a way that's not punitive, I feel like I was so afraid that like my life was going to fall apart if all of a sudden I admitted that I was like in trouble or not doing okay, that I was going to lose softball. My grades were like, my whole world was going to fall apart and the total opposite of that happened. And so the the fact that someone reaching out to you rather than you having to go with someone is huge. Yeah. Such a good point. I love that the opposite happened, right? Like eh, the narratives that we put in our heads when we're not mentally healthy are fascinating to me. And I, I certainly experienced that exact thing is like asking for help equals this whole narrative that was just spiraling into even worse things. And, and, and just, it's not even close to reality a lot of times or frankly ever. And yeah, so I'm so happy that you had people in your life who were able to provide that for you. It's amazing. And especially like being a student athlete, right? They talk about like mental toughness, mental toughness of like, you have to be mentally tough to like be good at your sport. And I feel like that we often equate those things and it's like, you can be mentally tough and still go therapy. Like those things are not mutually exclusive, uh, which I feel like we don't talk about at all. Oh, no. Preach. (laughs) Go ahead, Kat. Yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) Struck a chord, mentally tough. I like struggle with that terminology because I don't think it's like used... I don't know if appropriately I feel like people equate like I think like being mentally tough right is like okay you missed that play like redefend your ass off right it's like that it's not like yeah oh you're having a bad day where you can't get out of bed like suck it up and show up and don't like yeah. I think sometimes it's used in this interchangeable manner where it doesn't really serve the student athlete um well and it can make you like, I don't know. I, yeah, I struggle with mentally tough, but we don't need to get down that <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, cool. So we kind of covered high school there, right? And kind of the start of your journey of getting help from others. Um, does it make sense to talk? Is there any other moments from high school that you felt like were really important to your athletic career or toward your mental health journey? Um, Or is it kind of like skip to college at this point? I would just say the recruiting process is like a pressure cooker. And I wish more people talked about like, talk to someone during this. Like how often do we get told of like, you're you're one inch taller and five pounds lighter on all of your recruiting materials to like make yourself look better. And we're setting this narrative for people like who you are isn't good enough. And it just becomes a pressure cooker. So then when you get to college, it's like, okay, great. Now I've made it. And now I have to like prove that everything that I recruited myself on that the person that they saw is like who I'm going to be in college, which I think just like sets up for a whole other level of pressure. Yeah, I think especially, well, it's gotten better now with like all these different rules intact, but like kids are so young. Like I, I don't even think I realized how young I was like freshman, sophomore, junior year. I was talking with someone the other day about, you know, they committed to a school based on like one facet of the school and like they were and it was had to do with like the dorms at one school were co-ed and they were like oh my god but another school they were like separated girls and boys 
And because they're like 14 years old, you know, this young woman, they're like, no, 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 I'm going to, you know, go with the school that like, those are the type of things that I feel like as you, like you, you value different things, you know, and they're like, it's, it's crazy that it ended up working out because I love the school, but imagine if it hadn't. And I was like, that's why I chose this was because one of the biggest reasons and you're 14 years old, making a decision that's going to happen four years later. Um, Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about, I don't know, playing collegiate softball because you're from, I think there's a few things here, especially like you're from Arizona and you travel across the U.S. um, to Manhattan. Like what, what was the pool there? Why did you think, or you felt like it was going to be a really good fit? And then ultimately, like, what was that freshman year kind of like with you being so far away from home? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I was, that was one thing I'm very fortunate. I got a good, good guidance in terms of like balance. Like you're not going to play professional softball, most likely. Like what, what are you going to do after that? And like, this is going to set you up for that. So luckily I had kind of good mentorship around that. Um, and that was a big reason why I chose Manhattan. I was recruited by a couple schools on the East coast. It was like, either way I'm going there because that's who wants me and that's, who's going to pay for an education. Um, so we're going to the East coast regardless. Um, but I remember I took my visit for Manhattan and it was, it was the team. It had nothing to do with like the stats of like how they had done in the past four years. Um, but it was the team environment and they actually like had me go to a class during my, like my official visit and like actually see more so the day in the life, more so like let's put on a show and recruit you. Um, and so I felt like I got a really realistic picture of like what it would have been like to go there. Um, and I feel like I've heard horror stories of like the, the team that you saw on your visit and the team that you walked in on are like two totally different sets of people. Um, and I, I got 100% what I bargained for in terms of having a very cohesive, like supportive team. Like I lived with my teammates, my three years I graduated early. And for me, like going across the country, it felt like a fresh start. Like having gone through all of what I went through in high school, it really did feel like, okay, here's a, a new star nobody knows me I was like the only one from Arizona in the athletic department um that is a smaller school um but I do remember like standing in a target my like as I'm moving in like buying a mini fridge thinking like what the heck did I do like holy moly like this is real now we're across (laughs) across the country um and now you have to do this and honestly it was it was a great decision like I enjoyed every part of it my my freshman year went well up until winter um where I hurt myself and it was kind of a bumpy road from then on um but still like great coaching staff very supportive good teammates like I really could not have probably asked for better in that sense I mean definitely wasn't all roses and butterflies but I think given the challenges that I had uh I was set up to do well I think I I find it interesting that you kind of mentioned, you know, it was a fresh start. Like no one knew me. When you say that and you think back, do you feel like part of that, like no one knows me here is like, had you worked through everything that you'd been going through? And it it was almost like this, like not running away, maybe running away from you tell me, right? Like, I feel like whenever I'm like, oh, it's a fresh start. I'm like, I'm just running away from something that's going to like literally catch up with me no matter where I go. So like turn and face the music kind of a thing. Is that, was that like a similar situation reflecting now where 
you're shaking your head. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, like you mentioned, like, and you don't think about it in the moment, uh, but I definitely, there was points of like, I don't want to be that person. Like I want something different. And if I can go to the whole other side of the country, whole new set of friends and what that looks like. I'm like away from the expectations and the pressure that I felt other people were putting on me, but when it was 112% me putting on me um, to be in a new place. And so it 100% had <laughs> like very much avoidance now looking back at it. Um, and I do think I, things probably would have looked very different had I not left. Um, I think you like work through things when you are forced to be, some level of independence and it's still I think like at 18 years old like that is a hard thing to do and to transition to but honestly I think like the structure of softball was part of like what eased that and actually made it more helpful than harmful of just like continuing to run when you say structure what's that in reference to like just the schedule routine all of the above, honestly, like I, the, the program was excellent in terms of like, everything was set up for me. Like I had like built in friends for lack of a better way to put that. I mean, they still are very, like, we're very close to this day. I still love them dearly. Um, but we came from so many different walks of life. Um, we were all from different states. Like I was for, like, we lived in a very teeny tiny dorm room with five of us. Um, so I had kind of built in friends, like you have your hand to the schedule, like, I, we, we had in the fall two practices a day in the winter, three practices a day. Like I had, I was there to play softball and to get good grades and there wasn't anything else going on. Um, and I think with that kind of like fresh start, that was what I had to focus on. And so it was something totally different. My time was regimented. I had people that we all wanted each other to succeed because if someone drops the ball, right, we all kind of drop the ball on the field in terms of like succeeding as a team. And so there was that that built-in structure, not only of like routine, but also like socially. Yeah, I I think that sports have so much potential to be the best for your mental health, and also so much potential to be the worst for the your worst. mental health. Right? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and think speaking of which, I I do want to hear a little bit more about your injury because I know that's something we talk a lot about on this podcast that people experience because it is such a like um just hard things to go through. It's a lot of times inherent that mental health challenges come along with that. But I think I would, I'd love to hear a little bit more about yours. Cause it sounds like your injury was a bit unique, especially coming out of it, like the diagnosis that you had. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, it was a real hot mess for like a better way to put that. Um, I was, it was my freshman year. I remember very distinctively what happened. It was in the, the winter. I probably did not warm up probably how I should have looking back on it. Um, and I played right field and it was, I will never forget. It was a throw to third base, the longest throw on the field. And all of a sudden like shoulder was just out. I was like, that is not normal. That is not right. And it went right back in, which is not normal either. Um, and so there was that piece of like, that hurt, that's not right. And also it looks right. Like we're already back in. So like, what is the malfunction? And so met with the trainers, um, they clearly was like, okay, there's clearly a problem here. What's the problem? I have no idea. Um, met with the team doctor who um, said like, you have joint laxity, like it's probably going to continue to happen. Like let's do conservative methods. Um, and in checking in my other shoulder, I have the same issue in my left shoulder. It just never had been a problem because I'm not throwing with my left arm. Um, and so 
that was a, a thing that it was like, okay, we're going to have to figure this out. And so tried conservative methods. And like, given that it's a genetic issue where it's all laxity in all my joints, no amount of PT was going to help that. So it was like, all right, let's jump to surgical. Let's just get this done so that I can come back. Cause I'm already missing all of my, my freshman year actual season within the spring. So I played in the fall and the winter. Um, but I had surgery in April, March of my freshman year. So like literally like first months of the season. Um, and looking back at it now, I wish I would have gotten a second opinion. <laughs> um, and they mentioned that like, Hey, like this will fix it. We'll tighten you up surgically. You'll be able to throw. It's fine. Um, and now like looking back at it, my sophomore year was rough because it was just trying to get back to where I was, which was never going to happen. There was never going to be the same strength. Now, like looking back on the diagnosis of joint laxity everywhere, of uh, we were never going to get back to that point. What, can you define joint laxity? I think I have an idea of what it is in my head, but just for those listening. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's like joint hypermobility. Um, so things come in and out. And I always just thought like, oh, I'm like, flexible or like you know kids are like oh, I'm double jointed I can do this cool thing and I always just kind of thought like that was a thing um but no my joints kind of come in and out so my fingers have all done it I made both of my shoulders do it occasionally my knee but like hips ankles all of it like it's they just it's Sorry. a soft tissue no you're totally fine it is gross um and the amount of people who I'm like oh the shoulders came out and it's fine it's right back in now like don't worry about it or they look at me like I have six heads um, but you just kind of like, I had to get over it. I had to get used to it, but I didn't know at that point that that was what it was. Like the, the team surgeon had made a comment of like, yeah, you're a little bit loose in your other shoulder, but like, not like, let's just focus on this and kind of move on. And so when I dislocated it on the field and that's what, when they opened me up surgically, that's what ended up happening. It was okay. You tore your labrum and part of your rotator cuff. And we also need to like tighten the joint up. And so they did all that and it was great. We're moving on. And then coming to find out four years later, I dislocated again. Um, and not only do I dislocate it, I like dislodged all of the anchors and like surgical stuff that they had put in it um, because they only tightened it in one direction. They tightened it in the direction for me to be able to throw, but not in any other direction. And so that was where, okay, going into the second surgery, we need to tighten up the whole joint. And so at that point, like, I didn't know, it was just like, I want to play softball. I'm here to play softball. Like, let's just figure this out, get it done so that I can come back and totally rush the recovery process. You go through like a throwing program and PT of, to get back, to be able to throw how you were. Um, but with the amount of like laxity and like essentially like where things stretch how they're not supposed to, I was never going to have the strength that I had going into my freshman year. I need to redeem myself. I was making a face because I was like that sounds so painful like your joints popping in and out to I'm like my whole body is like holy moly um and then more importantly like I this may or may not be the case but how I'm kind of like reading into they tightened it for you to be throwing like it sat I don't want to ask a leading question like did you feel like they were setting you up for like the rest of your life or that these surgeons and these medical professionals were setting you up for the next three of softball, but not necessarily thinking about life after that. I didn't think about that until the second surgery. And then when the second surgery came out and I talked to, cause I like, I didn't know they were like, we're going to go and we're going to tighten up. You're going to be fine. And I was like, great, let's move along. Um, so did the surgery. And then it was when I had the second injury after I was out of college in grad school going to the second surgeon who was like, I have no idea who did this, but like, this was a bandaid on a gunshot wound. Like this was not going to hold. Um, 
And so then it was like, then I was pissed <laughs> because, but I, again, it was like, I was so 19 years old at the time that I made the decision to have surgery. Like I just wanted to play softball. Like that was my goal. And so now it's like, and being more of an adult, I wouldn't call myself an adult <laughs> totally. Um, but being more of an adult and thinking like, I would like to be able to hold my children and not dislocate my arms. Like that's something that's on my radar that wasn't before. And yeah. so it was more the anger after the fact. I, I get really, I wouldn't say worked up, but I get very disappointed with some of these medical professionals and it's not all, but it's some, especially in the athletic community who aren't necessarily thinking about the human holistically. And they're thinking about the next two, three, five, seven years, but they're not telling these really, really young kids like, Hey, like you got to think about the next 50, you got to think about the next 30. Like you know, I, I mean, Skylar and I have both gone through like injuries and I have like bad hips and similar to you, like my first one, I was like, I want to get back on the lacrosse field. And then my second one, I was in so much pain after my first surgery that I was like, am I ever going to be able to like walk like a mile again without feeling like, holy crap, I got to like sit down and like hot girl walks are my thing, you know? And like no one really focuses on that and and luckily I will say my surgeon did end up like kind of being like listen like things aren't looking too hot for you like you can try to get back but like what's it worth to you you know like do you want to have a hip replacement at 35 at 40 um and and I was lucky in that and, and my mom too but a lot of these student athletes like don't have that kind of like support or reference point to be like let's think about the rest of your life um what loaded question what was this injury like on your mental health because this wasn't this isn't just like a six to 12 month this feels like it's like it's your whole life kind of but also it's a big chunk of college and what you're there to do like can you walk us through that impact absolutely so I think at first it was just like I was disappointed in myself and then also there was this expectation I think and I don't know if other, I've never actually had this conversation um, related to like scholarship of like, they're literally paying for me to be here. They're paying a lot of money for me to be here. And I have now gone and screwed this up. Um, so now what? And like feeling like I had to prove that I was worth a dollar amount on a scholarship um, and all the time that they had invested in me. And so that was where I think I set myself up for a cluster of sophomore year um, and that I worked my whole summer to get back to where I was. Like that was all that I focused on coming back in and saying like, I'm going to be back to where I was not even thinking about the fact that like there's a recruiting class coming in behind me that are very good at what they do. And the recruiting class that came in behind me was very good. They were a big class. And so it was so much of like, I'm going to fight for that spot that I originally like was in contention for to that's probably gone. Um, and so it was very much of like, like you mentioned of like, do the medical professionals do like team surgeons, team doctors, like set us up for the long run. Or are we continuing to like reinforce that idea of like, you are an athlete and that is what we're going to focus on. And so I think for me, when that initial idea of, I'm going to play right field. I'm going to start whatever this looks like. Once that, like the more and more that that became a reality of like, that's probably not going to happen. Um, my whole world fell apart. And so it was like trying to figure out like, how do I pick myself back up? I'm here for, at that time, I thought I was going to be three more years and ended up being two because I graduated early. Um, 
but what am I going to do? Like, do I continue to play? Do I transfer? Do I figure out like how I fit into this role now? And like always feeling like, like no one wants to ride the bench. Like that sucks. It's awful. It's not fun. Um, And so figuring out kind of where I fit in was really hard. And like, that was my whole like sophomore year was fighting for something and being frustrated with myself and coaching staff and just like that whole cluster of emotions of trying to figure out like where I fit into this only for me to like come to the end of that season and realize, okay, we're probably not going to get back there. So like, what does this next year look like? How are you going to set yourselves up so that you're not miserable for a whole year because you still enjoy the sport. It's not like you hate what you're doing. Um, But it was just a totally different mindset that I don't think I was ready to take on so early. Mm -hmm. then once you did take on that new mindset what was like what were some of the things that you switched into and I'm assuming it wasn't like a clean switch right um yeah (laughs) no it was Um, was very bumpy like into my sophomore year like I did a lot of running like I ran the New York City Marathon and I was just trying to like get back to some semblance of shape after having been in a sling and being told like, don't run because if you fall, like you could really screw things up. Um, So like having gained weight and trying to get back into like some level of like the physicality of where I was, I just started running a lot. Um, That was also probably some way to control things now looking back at it. Um, But I got really fit. Like I was really, really fit. In my sophomore year, I got sick, which kind of put another bump in the road. but ended up to a point where by the end of my senior, my second year, my sophomore year had figured out of like, okay, I'm not going to play right field, but I'm in pretty good shape. Like I'm pretty quick, like, and being called upon as a pinch runner more and more frequently and going embracing that sense of things. So like, okay, like I'm not going to start. So what does this look like for me? And um, like getting into the point of like, okay, fine. Like if I'm going to be the pinch runner, like in practice, I'm going to make everyone's life a living hell in terms of like challenging our infielders of like, okay, like if you have to deal with me in practice, like you're going to be able to deal with anything in the game and figuring out like, that's how I can help my team. And then like when we were in a game situation of, okay, I'm not going to get to hit I'm not going to be able to start in the field but when we have one of our heavy hitters who's not very quick that hits a double like I'm going to bring that run home when I go into pinch run and so like having a different kind of goal to focus on of like okay this is my role and once I kind of settled into that of like okay this is I'm still productive I can still be helpful like I can still have some sort of role on the team that helped and then I also started investing in myself in other ways like I joined like the student athlete advisory committee I studied abroad for a summer all of a sudden my life was no longer entirely surrounded by softball. I had other things going on and the mental health changed significantly. And that was where I think professionally too, like started me in the direction of where I am now professionally. We're going to take a quick break and we'll get back to Madison in a moment. I would like to take a second to talk about Morgan's message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. We aim to expand the dialogue on mental health by normalizing conversations, empowering those who suffer in silence, and supporting those who feel alone. 
Morgan's message was founded in July of 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved daughter, sister, and fiercely loyal friend. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's message, if you want to find out more or follow along, you can head to morgansmessage.org or head to Instagram at Morgan's Message. Let's get back to Madison. Wow, that was so well said. Um, yeah, so amazing. So dope that you yeah, found that role and embraced it fully. That's more fun anyways. Like running the bases was the best part of softball, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely do want to hear about your professional role now. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, yeah, tell us a bit about your job now, like, I want to hear like your favorite part of your job, how you pull in your experiences to your job. Honestly, take us anywhere when it comes to your job. It's all interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Um, I went into college. I was going to be, uh, I was pre-med. I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. This is going to be great. Um, and changed my major halfway through after having like a really awesome professor who was like, we need to like actually talk about that all. This stuff is important. And having gone through it and having seen a totally different outlook from someone who was a psychologist as well, I was like, I want to do what she does. Like, this is a thing. Like people talk about this for a living. And so like changed my major. It was, uh, it was a clinical counseling psychology major in college. And then once I realized I could graduate in three years, it was like, okay, well, I could get a master's degree and like stay on for an extra year. Like, do I do that? What do I want to do? And really kind of sinking into, no, I, I actually like want to go for my doctor. Like I still want to be a doctor. I just want to be a different kind of doctor. And so that was where I ended up leaving a year early. So I could save whatever little bit was left of my college fund and go to grad school. And so I went and I got my doctorate, my master's first and my doctorate at California Lutheran University. Um, and always wanted to work with like athletes and like high performing individuals. So my dad's a, a police officer. So uh, really enjoyed working with law enforcement and veterans. And so now um, having settled in the, the seven year journey, if you do a postdoc after figuring all of that out, so I now currently work for the VA with, I have to say my little disclosure of like my opinions are my own, do not reflect the opinions of the Veteran Affairs or Department of Veteran Affairs. Um, but yeah, so I work as a health psychologist. So I work with folks who have gone through like acute injury and are trying to come back. So uh, I work with a lot of amputees. I work with folks who have like chronic medical illnesses, uh, figuring out like how do you live your life with this thing that is now something that you're going to have to live with for the foreseeable future for most people. Um I do a lot of like health promotion disease prevention. So it really is like looking at medicine from a holistic perspective of like, we cannot just look at if you have a chronic condition, so diabetes, we can't just look at like your blood sugar and your A1C. Like we have to look at like, how do you spend your time? What do you think about having a chronic illness? And it's the same thing with injury. And I feel like that was for me, what I didn't get from my injury. It wasn't like, how do we get you back? Like how, what are, what's important to you? How do we get you doing that again? It was like, so focused on one thing. And so being able to like work with folks who um, have like, like I said, amputations, um, like heart attacks, traumatic brain injury, things like that, where the trajectory of people's lives have totally changed. Like, I feel like I can relate to that on some level and feel like, yeah, that is a completely out of control, horrific feeling. And there is still life after this horrible thing that has happened to you. How can we get you living the way that you want to be living? Um, 
And I absolutely love what I do. I love working with the veterans. I'm in the, pro the process of kind of gathering to start a private practice to be able to work with more athletes and more law enforcement uh, just because I love doing it. Um, but I love what I do. I've settled into such a, a point where I think that everyone should probably work with a health psychologist at any point, like injury, illness, whatever that looks like. It's such a valuable part of that team to like look at someone from a holistic standpoint of like, you're not just your illness, you're not just your injury. And like in a moment, it can totally feel like that. Um, so to be able to help people through that is super rewarding, as corny as that sounds. <laughs> Uh oh, absolutely beautiful. I'm so glad you exist and that your patients have access to you because I, yeah, that like gave me the chills to hear you talk about it. Um, and feels very full circle, like from hearing your story through everything you've talked about, right? There's so many through lines to what you just said about how you help your patients. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, it's probably time for closing questions. Um, so, first one that we do is if, you could go back and talk to yourself at one point in your life when you were in a dark moment. Um, what's one thing that you would say to yourself? That's a good question. One thing. Probably that like now is not permanent. I feel like we tend to resonate like when you are struggling, it's like, this is my whole world and this all is horrible. Um, and it feels very permanent and it feels very heavy. Um, and just reminding yourself that it's not like tomorrow it will change it will pass um just like the good things come and go like so do the bad things and i think having that sense of uh, kind of letting go of that permanence of struggle would be life-changing for me like looking back on how i how i ruminated on things yeah so well said um the last closing question is what are you most grateful for that's another good question. Um, I think the people that I've had along the way, um, this has definitely not been a solo journey by any stretch of the imagination, whether it be my my parents, my partner, um, my friends, my teammates. Like there was always somebody there who was the voice that I needed to hear that I couldn't be for myself. Um, and I really do think it takes a village. I've always thought that that thing was super corny. Um, and to have like people around you who are invested in you as a human being, I think is huge. So yeah, I would have, I would have to say the people in my life. So well said. Yeah. I think a support system can make all the difference in the world. Um, and they're so, so important. Um, with that, Madison, thank you so much for coming on the mental matchup. It was such a pleasure to chat with you about your experiences and how they kind of led you to where you are now. So I can't thank you enough for being willing to come on and share your story. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Another huge thank you to Dr. Madison for coming on The Mental Matchup um, and talking all about her experience being a collegiate athlete, going through life-altering injury, and how she has been able to, you know, manage her injury since sustaining it, you know, in college, um, and how the impact on mental health and psychology and her professor really left like a huge 
impression on her and ultimately, you know, altering for her to move into and pursue her passion in the mental health field. I am just so grateful for Madison for coming on the mental matchup and being willing to share her story, her experiences, and talk about what she's doing now and why she's doing it. So thank you so much to Madison for coming on. If you have a short story to share or, you know, you, whether it's written, whether it's on the podcast, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can email submission at the mental at morgansmessage.org, excuse me, or head to morgansmessage.org, find the mental matchup. You can go ahead and submit online. Um, Another huge thank you to Morgan's Message for presenting this podcast. We would not be here without Morgan's Message, and we are so honored to be, you know, the storytelling platform of the organization and really share real experiences with our audience to you know, even just make one person listening feel a little bit less alone or feel like you have someone out there to relate to and that there is hope and, you know, life is not over. You can continue to to find that light at the end of the tunnel through these experiences of our incredible guests who come on. Um, if you want to get involved with Morgan's Message, if you want to find out more or just follow along, you can head to morgansmessage.org or find us on Instagram at Morgan's Message. With that, we will see you next episode.